ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Good afternoon. Kevin Powell here in for Adam Hogue once again. I'll be in through the rest of the week. So you're stuck with me for another few days as Adam takes some time off. A fun show planned for today. Madeline, Madeline Kenny with the Sun-Times will join us in a few minutes here. She's been covering Loyola very closely. She was on the road with them. Um, some news about potential uh, potential contract restructuring for Coach Porter Moser. So we'll get the latest there. Uh, we'll talk some Sister Jean because she is the star of this year's NCAA tournament. And uh, we'll also hear from Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson. He uh, had a conversation with John Williams, WGN's John Williams. So we'll play that back. We'll also hear from Coach Joe Quinville of the Blackhawks. He joins Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. Coach Q joins the, them weekly. Um, so we'll listen back there. Uh, Hawks hosting Colorado tonight. You can hear the game on WGN Radio, uh, 720 AM, WGNRadio.com, your WGN Radio app as well. John Wideman and Troy Murray with the call. And Chris Bowden with the pregame at 7. They're going to take on a Colorado Avalanche team that had 48 points last season. Just an atrocious year. Now they're holding on to a wild card spot with just a couple weeks left in the season. So that's how quickly things can change in the NHL. So keep faith, Hawks fans. I know it's a down year. It's a disappointing year. But uh, things can change in the NHL very very, uh, very quickly. Um, so uh, Q actually addresses that as as well. We'll also do some White Sox and Cubs talk for a little bit. A um, couple White Sox moves today. As expected, Michael Kopech sent down to the minor league camp, as was outfielder Jacob May. And if that name rings a bell, remember Jacob May was the star of Sox camp last year, and then they brought him up. He was on the opening day roster, and I think he had one hit in like 30 at-bats, and they're like, yeah, he probably you got a little bit more uh, developing to do there, Jacob. So uh, he and Kopech sent down, I'd say a solid spring for Kopech. Uh, his last couple starts weren't the best, but uh, he knows what he needs to do. And I had some conversations with Kopech this spring when I was out there about um, – you know, the difference between pitching and throwing, and he's really into it as as well, and he gets that he needs to develop a third pitch. We know how hard he can throw. He can throw through a brick wall, but he's working on that changeup. So um, if I were the Sox, I would just say throw the changeup as often as possible in the minors this year and uh, work on that. For the Cubs, John Lester make his sec- made his second-to-last spring start um, Monday night. And six and two-thirds, nine hits, three and runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Um, after the game, Lester talked about the team's spring and his performance thus far. So um, we'll get to that as well. But uh, Loyola is still the, kind of the talk of town. And tomorrow I will um, say we're going to talk with White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. He's going to join us off the top of the show tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. So stay tuned for that. Looking forward to talk to uh, talking to Rick and uh, we'll have plenty of baseball talk tomorrow. We're just nine days away from opening day. So f- about six more. Uh, Cubs are off today. Then they have five games, and then they're headed to Florida, where they will play two exhibition games against Boston Monday and Tuesday. 
Then they're off Wednesday, and then Thursday is opening day. So they'll start down in Miami. The White Sox will start in Kansas City. James Shields named the opening day starter. And I know that's sort of been a conversation for a lot of White Sox fans. Who should be the opening day starter? Some say it should be one of these young guys, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez. I think it's still probably a little too early for them. I know some people want to just thrust them into that position and let them learn and and grow from moments like that. But I don't think you're obviously expecting much from James Shields. I want to say this is going to be his eighth or ninth opening day start. To me, what mattered more was who was going to be the home opener starter. Because give the give the fans something. I mean, all due, all due respect to James Shields, I think White Sox fans would be much more interested in seeing Lucas Giolito or Reynaldo Lopez on the mound for the home opener. And we'll see if Carson Fulmer's on the opening day roster as well because he's he had a rough, rough spring he did pitch pretty well yesterday, although um, a little shaky. Still had a few walks, but no runs over five innings. But need to see a little more of Carson Fulmer. He's had some command issues. That's been his problem. Um, we'll see what they do there. But uh, for now, Carson Fulmer, Factor Santiago, and he, and he are fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation. But... Uh, um, we'll have more White Sox and Cubs stuff coming up later in the show about 140. Again, John Williams talked to Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson. We'll get to that in about 15 minutes or so. Madeline Kenny with the Sun-Times coming up in just a couple minutes. And uh, again, we'll talk to Blackhawks coach Joe Quinville. But Loyola's still the talk of town, and that's our lead for today. We've looked at the next opponent, next opponent. Uh, what's in front of us? Nevada is the next opponent. Um, you can't help. You don't even look at the seeds. I mean, I, you know, I hope people look at our seed and didn't feel anything because I don't. I know they won't. But it's not about the seed. I mean, these guys got two great wins. We've got two great wins. Yeah, seventh seed in Nevada. That's a by the way, Loyola coach Porter Moser. Seventh seed in Nevada. Uh, the uh, matching the second high, second biggest comeback in tournament history when they beat number two seed Cincinnati 75-73 after trailing by 22 points in the second half. So they're riding high as well. I mean, Loyola has been the story, but Nevada, I mean, that's huge. Came back from 22 points. <clears throat> They've had a couple impressive wins as well. So, um, you know, had some other. Um, Clips from Loyola practice yesterday. They're headed back down to Atlanta today. The Sweet 16 matchup will be Thursday night against Nevada. 6.07, by the way, is the tip Thursday night. If anybody's um, uh, wondering, that'll be on CBS. That's the first of the four games Thursday night, first of the uh, four Sweet 16 games. So Loyola, Nevada, Thursday night. And uh, I know everybody's pretty amped up for that. But, uh, yeah, they held practice yesterday. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Madeline Kenny from the Sun-Times. We'll get to her in just a quick minute here. But um, um, Sister Jean still obviously the big storyline. And um, apparently there's a petition going around that students are signing to get Sister Jean on Ellen, the show. So <laughs> we'll talk to Madeline about that as well in uh, about 90 seconds right here on Sports Central. All right, let's continue this love fest. There it is. It's Sports Central with Adam Hogue. No big deal. On demand and in real time on WGNRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue today, having some classic technical difficulties trying to get Madeline Kenny on the phone. We'll get to her soon, but um, I did uh, preview that we will hear from Leola Athletic Director Steve Watson. He joined John Williams on his show, which is 1-3 to three on WGN weekdays. Um, give it a listen. He joined John yesterday and kind of just talked about what the vibe is like on Loyola's campus right now. We secured the bid to the tournament, and ever since then we've been going about 90 miles an hour. You get the feeling that people didn't know about Loyola? You know, I think it's been building up through throughout the season. I, I would argue that basketball people knew about Loyola because of our history. Um, you know, the 1963 national championship team, the 85 Sweet 16 team, uh, you know, Frederick Hughes, LaRue Martin, Jerry Harkness. I think basketball people know Loyola University Chicago, um, but maybe the casual fan had no idea. And as the season progressed and, you know, we knock off Florida, we kind of run away with the, with the conference regular season title, we win the conference tournament. Um, I think that momentum really built in the, 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 the exposure we got, not just here in Chicago, but across the country, um, it definitely put Loyola on the map. And, and you throw Sister Jean into the mix, and it seems like we're everybody's everybody's darling now. Who knew that she was going to be such a big deal? She's <laughs> You are this close to being overshadowed by a nun. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is anybody who ever meets her, um, they can't stop talking about her. Um, she's just a, a, a special, special person. We're all very fortunate to have her on our team. But to say that we're surprised that, that she's become a national hit, would, I, I'd be lying to you. Because it's such a great story. She's such a good person and, and so knowledgeable and, and so caring and thoughtful about you know, the program, the university. It, it's, you know, I, I keep saying that it's just a matter of time. She's going to be on Ellen. She's going to be on Good Morning America. She's going to be everywhere. Bracketology somehow needs to tap her and say, what do you think, Sister Jean? You've obviously <laughs> got a good nose for a good basketball team. Were you surprised that the kids were as competitive as they were, that they were playing as well as they were? What we're seeing on TV this weekend, was that typical Loyola Rambler basketball? Yeah, it's what we've seen all year. I mean, these guys have, have unbelievable resiliency. Um, and you never know who's going to step up and, 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 and be the guy. And, and this last weekend was a great example. And night, Dante hits, hits what we were calling the shot. And, and everybody talked about it for about 48 hours. And then Clayton Custer steps up and, and he hits the shot. So now over the course of a, of a weekend, we've got two historic memorable plays that that will go down in Loyola history but but these guys have been doing it all year and honestly it's all gravy at this point and we we fell down we were down seven uh against Miami on on Thursday and and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking you know what this has been a hell of a year we had a great run and next thing you know Custer hits a three we tie the game and and Dante hits that shot and, and and we and we move on so uh Nothing that these guys do would surprise me because they've been they've been doing it like this all year. They don't seem to be nervous. They must really believe in themselves, huh? Yeah, and they and they care about each other. They they get along extremely well, and um, and they're selfless. You know, they, they they don't they honestly truly do not care who the hero is. They just want it. They just want each other and 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 the team as a whole to be successful. I noticed that. In fact, there have been times I was texting with my son during the game. I said, I think they pass the ball a little too much. A guy will, you know, dribble around, looks like he's got a two, maybe he's going to go into the lane. He goes in the lane, kicks it out to another guy. I'm thinking, somebody, take a shot. But it, <laughs> it tends to work out, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the style and that's the way these guys have played all year. And 
it's it's fun basketball to watch. Props to the coach too. I mean, he seems to have the team ready for this. Unlike some, <laughs> unlike Virginia, unlike North Carolina. I, I don't know. Maybe it helps to be a little bit of the underdog. But you guys sure seem to be ready for this tournament. Yeah, these guys are laser focused, and I've I've, I've gotten a chance to, to listen to Porter talk talk about the team and talk to the team quite quite a bit and. Um, he talks about putting the blinders on when they're when they're in their film sessions, when they're doing their scouting, when they're on the practice court. But, but once they get off the court, um, they're enjoying it. They're 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 enjoying the experience. They're enjoying each other. But when it comes time to go to work, these guys are laser laser focused, and that is a definitely a tribute to to not just Porter but the entire staff. I'm downtown on Michigan Avenue. Can I buy some Loyola swag down here? Can I get hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts? I certainly hope so. But but I also know if you go to LoyolaRamblers.com, there's a, a great variety and assortment of Loyola gear. Anything particularly noteworthy, quirky, or large about these two wins for you guys? But one of the great things about, about getting down to Dallas was, was Andre Jackson being able to go home and play in front of his friends and family down in Dallas. We tried really hard to, to schedule a game this year for him to get home we were able to do that for for uh, ben richardson uh, getting him back to kansas city um, but we couldn't get a game for andre and and when that selection came, selection uh came up and and they saw we, we all saw we were in dallas it was the first thing that guys thought of is andre's going home and then of course on saturday he was our leading scorer had a fantastic game and so that's been a that's been a pretty special story for him to be able to to do that on that stage in his hometown was was pretty neat what a tournament, huh? Two 13s, a 16, a couple of 11s, a lot of double-digit seeds. I guess the smart people who pick brackets aren't so smart. Or were you satisfied with the 11 seed? You know, we, we would have liked to have been better, but, but it seemed like that's where everybody said we were going to be. As you mentioned, you never know how the bracket's going to play out, and, and here we are playing a playing a really, really good 7 seed in, in the University of Nevada. What's the key to that game in your estimation going to be? We just need to play our game, and um, if our guys play the way they can play, the way they've played all year, uh, we can compete with anybody. And I'm just looking forward to seeing the best Loyola program out there we can we can put on the floor. Boy, this is great for the. Think of the money your school's going to make. I mean, good grief! You guys have just got you've got three big paydays coming here minimum, right? Yeah, the exposure is. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. The, the, the good it does for the school, for Chicago, for our community, you know, Rogers Park, Edgewater, people up this way. There's so much pride in, in, in this in this program and what, what Porter and the team have been able to do. And, and, yeah, the exposure means the world to us. Doesn't hurt that he's Hollywood good-looking, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great story. You know, Porter's a Chicago guy. He went to Creighton, played in the Missouri Valley Conference, and you know, he's a true family guy. And, and being able to... To, to, to share an experience like that with his with his children and his wife, I, I know it's 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 definitely special for him. Congrats to you! Congrats to the kids, the coach, the program, uh, and of course, Sister Jean. If you get a chance, tell her agent, to tell her intern, to tell her people, to tell her that we said hi, and it's fun watching her on TV too. I will do that. Thanks so much, John. There you go. Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson with WGN's John Williams. That interview at WGNRadio.com if you want to listen back to it. Um, some good stuff there from John and Steve. We go from that interview to Chicago Sun-Times' Maddie Kenny. She's been covering Loyola very closely. She's been on the road with them. How you doing, Maddie? Appreciate you jumping on the show. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You did have some news about a potential contract restructuring for Porter Moser, uh, head coach. What's the latest there, Maddie? 
Um, basically, they're talking about extending the contract, and what Watson told me is that they want to keep him for a very, very long time. They definitely have discussed a raise. Since Loyal is a private institution, they can't really um, release financial numbers on what, they, what they're expecting to give him, or even what he made. Um, he did just get his contract extended at the end of last season to be through, I believe, the 2021-22 season. Um, but it sounds like Watson wants to extend that even further and add some uh, more value to that. Well, anytime you, you see these mid-major teams go deep in the tournament or make some noise, that's always the worry of the fan base. Will our coach leave? Because everyone gets excited and the coach has them in a good spot. Of course, you don't want them to leave campus. Are you getting the sense that he's probably not going anywhere? Or is there some serious consideration of maybe moving up to a, a Big Ten or a, a Big East or an ACC? That's a really good question, because if you would have asked me this before I talked to Porter, I would have said he's totally staying. He's a Chicago guy. He has his family here. He has, you know, he always stresses about this culture, how he loves Jesuit institutions and all of that stuff. And if you really look at what Porter's done at Loyola over the last seven seasons, it's pretty remarkable. He really has a lot of passion for students. I remember him handing out hot dogs in the Damon Student Center to try to get students to come to games, handing out flyers, you know, trying to bribe students with free t-shirts and swag. Um, He's definitely, he said this a million times, it's been a grassroots rebuild, and I've witnessed that. It totally has. You know, a few years ago, there was only four, or probably on average, like 15, maybe 40 fans for students that would come to games, and now it's, you know, the student section is packed. It's crazy to see. Um, As for after I talked to him, I asked, you know, he has his family here. Do you really, do you think about that, like, in moving to go, like, like, let's say if a SEC or a Power 5 tries knocking on your door, do you consider that? And he's like, yeah, you definitely consider, you know, your family, but at the same time, he's moved before. He's moved to four different cities and three different states with his kids. And his kids understand that's part of the profession. And so I don't see Porter leaving after this season. I, don't, I think he's worked so hard to build up this program that he wants to be here for some of the success and kind of, you know, relish it and watch it flourish. I think that this is – they have a lot of core guys coming back next season, and they have – two three-star recruits coming in. Even one of them, I believe, is a four-star, according to ESPN. So there's a lot of talent coming in, too. And you still have Clayton Custer staying in Marquise Towns, as of right now, at least. Um, but Custer, he's um, enrolled in classes, so it seems like he's planning on staying, too. Well, Moser right now, middle-of-the-road salary-wise salary in the Missouri Valley Conference. is, is what What is sort of like the... Um, well, who's the highest paid in the MVC and who's the lowest? And, and Moser sort of fits in the middle, right? Yeah, those numbers are kind of um, hard to look at because obviously since Loyal is a private institution, I kind of touched on this, we can't see what Porter gets paid until you get the 990 tax form that they have to file. So the four, I think it was like four twenty. $420,000 or something in that ball range is what he made in 2000. 15 through 2016, and that was before he had his contract extension. So I don't really know exactly how much he made this year. We'll have to wait until that form comes out um, in a couple of months. But I think ballpark range, University of Northern Iowa, they pay their coach the most. It, of course, Wichita State was paying theirs the most, but he's making roughly, I think, 900000 
thousand dollars a season um and then indiana state's coach is only making like 200 and four i think it was two hundred fourteen thousand dollars a season so there's definitely a wide range in what coaches are paying and watson previously told me that you know when they're they take into account what is what is everybody else paying their coaches in the missouri valley you know what's standard and they look at that and they look at the performance of how that coach is doing and that's how they kind of figure out salaries all right, let's talk a little sister, Jean, because she's become the rock star, an international rock star. I think Twitter actually said she was the most tweeted about person in the yeah. uh, throughout the entire tournament. So I guess, what have your re- interactions been like with her? What, what's it been like being around her over the past week or so? Well, I've been a, I was a student at Loyola for four years, and let me tell you, she is a campus-wide celebrity. When you go to f- freshman orientations and everything everyone says you have to get to know sister jean and it's not it's it's very difficult to get through your 40 years and not have a sister jean story she's always handing out you know the student newspaper at the shuttle lines i used to walk with her i was a cheerleader at loyola and i used to walk with her from my freshman year we both lived in regis which is one of the dorms and occasionally her and i would walk to the games together and she would be giving me her scouting reports and oh you know that was loyola's first season in the valley so I think they only won like a few conference games that season. There was definitely a struggle to, you know, get the kind of players that can play at that tempo because it was definitely a different tempo than the Horizon League. And we used to talk and she would, you know, give her feedback and say, I don't necessarily know if uh, they're going to be able to compete, but we're going to go out there and we're going to play hard and we're going to play through that buzzer and kind of, it's just, it's so fun to see how she's kind of taken off because everyone at Loyola cherishes her and they appreciate her and just seeing her smile like it just brings joy to you and to see you know I was talking to her and she told me honestly she wasn't sure she was ever going to see them play in the NCAA tournament now again and to see them win two games she was beyond speechless I when I was talking to her after the games it was just more of like a one-on-one just we were both in shock that they you know they won in that fashion two times. Like, that doesn't happen, but it's yeah. March, so anything can happen. Right. And she's just, she's such a joy to be around, and she radiates so much, like, happiness, and it makes you feel really good just to be around her. And it's nice to see her get that spotlight. But I want people to know that, you know, she's been something special at Loyola for decades. Yeah, we heard, that, we heard that <laughs> interview with the Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson with John Williams. He, he was like... What? we're not that surprised that she's turned into a star. It sounds like it's the same for you, that that she's been a rock star for so long, so it's not all that surprising to see her on the stage. So you you went to Loyola, you're a student, now you're covering this very close. What's this been like for you? What's it been like for the students and the alum? It's crazy. I mean, even if you look at last year, Loyola was pretty good, you know, in the regular season. They kind of struggled a little bit in conference. Um I would have never have thought that they would have made the NCAA tournament last year. And I was a student reporter, and I even wrote that. You know, there's people that were mad that they extended Porter Mosier's contract. They couldn't figure out why. He didn't really – his records weren't um, up to what people wanted to see out of him. And, you know, Watson repeatedly say, this is our guy. We trust him. We're doing it the right way. We're giving him time. We're going to build this program from the bottom up. And that's exactly what they did. I think it helps that Wichita State was not in the conference because that would have definitely played a different role. And as we've seen, you know, mid-major programs usually get ignored by the selection committee if they don't get their automatic bid into the tournament, as we saw last year with Illinois State. So I think that definitely helped. And it's um, it's just a really cool experience to just witness this. And Porter Mosier has honestly done it the right way. And he's been 
involved in every aspect of how he can, whether it's trying to get students to come to games and trying to bring excitement around this team. And he's recruited good players that play well at Loyola and have bought into his culture. So it's, it's definitely something cool to see both as a reporter, but also as an alumni. So I did see something you posted about a, a petition by Loyola students to get Sister Jean on Ellen. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Did I have that story right? Yeah. And, and where does that yeah. where does that stand? Is has that gained any traction with the uh, with the show's producers? I don't really know if it's gained any traction with the show producers, but I saw today. I think it's up to like three thousand five hundred signatures now. <laughs> so it's definitely, and I've seen all my like. Facebook feeds, because I'm friends, obviously, with a lot of Loyola alum, they're all signing it and telling people to sign it. And, you know, Loyola tried in 2014 to get uh, Sister Jean on Ellen for an everyday hero segment that they were doing. And um, I don't know if they ever really got talked to any producers, but I know a lot of students back in 2014 were really pushing for for Sister Jean to be on Ellen, because she's just, she's something special. She's the type of person that um, anyone can walk up and talk to her. She has no hesitation to talk to anyone. And I think I was talking to some guys in athletics, and they kind of have to, you know, remind people she's 98 years old. Like, sometimes she needs her space, but she doesn't realize that. Like, she just she wants to talk to people. She doesn't want to tell people no. Like, she that's just the type of person she is. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, I, I'd love to see her on Ellen. I think that would be a perfect fit. Let's talk about the Loyola mm-hmm. roster. The, the names, of course, we've, we've come to know. Clayton Custer, Ben Richardson, Dante Ingram. Who stands out to you on the roster? Is there a clear-cut leader, or is this just a tight bunch of guys that are, are playing together, or is there a guy who, who kind of stands out and he's a little more vocal with the team? You know, what's really surprised me who's been really vocal is Cam Crutwig, one of the freshmen. He's definitely a vocal leader on the court, which it takes a lot for a freshman to be able to step up in that kind of role. But I think this team plays so well as a unit. You know, there's one, if Dante Ingram hits a big – has a – big night you know and maybe Custer is like not on that night you know they all pick each other up there's not one player that um has to perform up to par up to speed to their best ability every night because there's so many different players that can play a key role and I think that's also what makes them so such a deadly opponent and so hard to defend because you don't have that one player that you can key in on and design your defensive strategy around so it'll be really interesting to see how Nevada can you know, try to work that because Loyola definitely their offense is a spread out offense. They really move that ball really well. And we saw that in Tennessee game and also in Miami. Yeah, we've heard Porter Moser yesterday. He was talking about how athletic Nevada is and the length they have. How do you see this matchup and how do you think Loyola is going to fare Thursday night? That's a really good question. I have I've watched a little bit of the Nevada game against Cincinnati and was obviously super frustrated at the end because I had Cincinnati winning it all. So that was pretty upsetting, <laughs> but that was crazy. Honestly, I think it was it was totally crazy. You know, back to back comeback, double mm-hmm. digit comeback wins in the tournament, and you have Loyola two straight but like last second shots to win. So these two teams, I think, are going to match up really well. They what Loyola needs to do is they need to watch out for Caleb Martin, Kendall Stevens. They both have had big games in this tournament. It's just about. What Loyola does really well is they move the ball, they shoot from the perimeter, and they make smart shots. You know, they're very efficient. So what they need to do is they they need to handle that. They need to be able to run the tempo and dictate the tempo of the game. Because we all know this basketball is a game of runs, so Loyola needs to control that. You know, we saw in Tennessee toward the end, they didn't score for, I think, like more than three minutes or something like that. And that's why Tennessee got came back. 
And it was a miracle shot by Custer to make that and, you know, get that bounce shot is a lucky shot. And he will be the one of the first people to admit that. And I even, like, Cam Crutwig after the game, I was talking to him, he's like, Sister Jean has her connections up there. The big man really helped on that bounce, you know. So they just need to do what they do well and not, you know, feed into the pressures of the game. You know, I was talking about this yesterday, how perfect Saturday was. Catholic school on St. Patrick's Day, getting the lucky bounce. It was just it was just such a perfect day how everything worked out. It was crazy. Yeah, no, it was. And even Porter after the game said something about, wow, when a game, a Loyola win like this in the tournament on St. Patrick's Day, my younger self would love to have been in Chicago right now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was in Chicago, Maddie, and I was at a bar, and things were getting pretty rowdy, and the bar just absolutely <laughs> erupted when that shot bounced in. It was it was, it was was wild. So, oh, um, I bet. Uh, next matchup, of course, 6.07 Thursday night. What What's the schedule this week? The practice yesterday, they're commuting to Atlanta today, correct? Yes, and then there's a practice tomorrow on Wednesday. Okay, and then Thursday. Are you, you're, so, you'll be down there yeah. uh, in Atlanta, Maddie? Is that the game plan? Um, no, unfortunately, I'll be here in Chicago watching from afar. We're sometimes sending Steve Greenberg down, so make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. I'm going to start a petition, much like the Sister Jean Ellen one, to get Maddie Kenny down to Atlanta to cover this for the Sun. I like the way you think. I like the way you think. That's, that's the latest <laughs> petition, so keep an eye out uh, for that, everybody. Uh, Maddie Kenny, at Mad Kenny, K E N N E Y, on Twitter. Read her stuff at ChicagoSunTimes.com. Maddie, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. That's Maddie Kenny with the Sun-Times. Really good stuff there. Um, Steve Greenberg will be down in Atlanta, so maybe we'll check in with him later in the week as well. So um, the Loyola buzz is real. I think Chicago's really getting behind them. And we talked about this yesterday that, you know, of course this is a pro town, but I think if, if you're winning, no matter if it's college or if it's a pro team, Chicago is going to get behind you because Chicago is obsessed with sports. So um, we'll continue to talk Loyola throughout the week um, and uh, plenty more on the way later when we, in the week. We'll have some preview stuff Thursday on the show, and then we'll recap things Friday. We'll see if they're headed to the Elite Eight. All right, coming up next, we'll hear from Coach Joe Quinville. He joined Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. We'll play that back on Sports Central in 60 seconds. God, I love Baker Square. You're listening to Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue. First half of the show, all Loyola talk. We heard from Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson. Then we talked with Maddie Kenny from the Sun-Times. Really great stuff from her. I highly recommend you follow her on Twitter, at MadKenny, um, and check suntimes.com for, for more Loyola coverage as well. All right, from Loyola to the Blackhawks, Coach Joe Quinville joining Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. Steve, of course, every morning on GN 6 to 10. Coach Q joins him once a week. And um, they talked about the upcoming matchup with the Avalanche. Of course, not the uh, type of season many were hoping for with the Blackhawks. Not going to make the playoffs for the first time in a decade, all that stuff. But there, are, there is some interesting conversation about how quickly a, a narrative can flip in the NHL. The Avalanche had 48 points last year. They finished with 48 points. They were awful. Right now, they're currently holding on one of the wild card spots. That's how quickly things can flip. So Steve and Dave and, and Q get into that. And um, here's the interview from this morning on WGN. Coach Joel Quenville joins us. So, Coach, I'm at the game the other night. I looked to my left, and there's Rod Laver. And they put him up on the screen there, and uh, everybody in the crowd went uh, got excited. And I'm sitting there uh, thinking, uh, Rod Laver, what... Uh, and somebody said that was his first hockey game. I so think that's right. That was a uh, that's a uh, that's quite a feat, uh, knowing that uh, 
would have been nice to get uh, the home team having a win when he was here, but it was a uh, you know he's accomplished quite a lot for uh, the sport of tennis. He's uh, you know the all time great and. Uh, so nice to see him at the United Center for sure. Yeah, and you think about the equipment those guys played with. Um, you know, it's like golf, um, and I suppose to some extent it's the difference between the composite sticks your guys have and the old wood stuff you guys used to play with. Uh, different times, different equipment, but Laver playing with a piece of wood <laughs> that wood that wood racket with a your tennis guy. I mean, you know, that was, he was unbelievable. Well, the the technology's changed for hockey and for all sports for that. And I, I think that, uh, you know, they had the small face and, and their rackets and, uh, you know, they had wood and they had different, you know, whatever string they used. But now they got the bigger faces and uh, different uh, different kind of rackets uh, with different uh, composites uh, right. like hockey sticks. The, the guys are uh, shooting the puck uh, way harder now and uh, the, the probably have to wait in, uh, when, they're, when you're handling it as well so it's a uh, you know the evolution of uh, how uh, sticks of changes is pretty amazing and uh, very specialized in what the guys are looking at what their needs are uh, whether it's shooting or passing and uh, receiving their uh, you know, everybody has a little art to uh, how they want their sticks you know the uh, the cat gut they used to use in the tennis rackets back dave when uh, you and i were kids mm-hmm. when coach q was a kid they used actual kitties uh, no. On the rackets, they didn't. No, is that incorrect? Oh, I'm sorry, that's they incorrect. Uh, um, speaking of cats, yes, yeah, you're, I, yeah. yeah see, you, you this, were telling me about his good luck video. Watch this transition. Well, I was going to get to that, but Alex DeBrinket, oh, the yeah, other yeah, night, yeah. son of the game you were at, Steve, yeah, Hetrick, and and yesterday the Blackhawks alumni named him the Blackhawks Player of the Year. Oh, that's great. At the age of 20. Uh, Joel, you've talked about him a lot. You've told us about his upside. What does he need to do now looking towards next year to kind of take the next step? Well, I think uh, one thing when you're a first-year player, you know, you want to be consistent. And uh, I thought he was consistent uh, away from the puck. I think that's one of his strengths, uh, his reads on the game. And I think uh, he's only going to get better because he's going to know the league. He's going to get stronger and he's going to get quicker. Um, I like his uh, thought process uh, when he shoots the puck. He's got a real, real uh, kind of an elusive shot for goalies. He's got a real nice release. Um, just look to get uh, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. Um, but the nice thing is, uh, he's got a real good uh, mind for the game, and I think that uh, sets him up. And I think everybody talks about uh, you know that second year. Everybody's going to be more aware of you in the league, and that's always a challenge for, for uh, sophomore guys. And uh, but uh, hey, he's. Uh, no, we, we we really like what he brings to our team, and uh, it seems like uh, his line's always making a contribution to not just our offensive game, but uh, doing the right things. Some great young players in the NHL. Connor McDavid and, and, and the class of Connor McDavid, I suppose. Uh, is he there with those guys? Would you consider him one of the best young guys in the game? Um, that's a, I mean, uh, Connor McDavid's a different level. I think that, uh, you know, the top scorers in the game, uh, you know, I think he's got, uh, something to prove, but I think, uh, I think he's got an opportunity to be a top scorer in the game, uh, on a consistent basis, uh, whether he's at the very top of the league, I think he'll always be uh, a regular producer. Um, he produced at an amazing rate in junior and, uh, got off to a real good start here. 
Um, let's see how he finishes out the season. Uh, but uh, you got to say three hat tricks. Uh, Tony Granado is the only other guy that uh, in his rookie year, American-born player, that had three hat tricks. So it's a nice feat in that regard as well. You know, uh, a hat trick is fun, but it's changed the, when you know again when we were growing up because the seats used to be right on top of the ice. And there used to be tons of hats that would come flying out of the stands. Not six, seven, eight, nine hats. So is that because of the configuration of the seating or the cost of the hats, Coach? <laughs> Every game's different. Some nights could be hat night. And, uh, yep. Yeah, then yep. you're hoping for a hat trick, I suppose. Our, uh, yeah. our other producer, Joe, here in the studio, he said that he was at a hat trick, but it was the year that we won the last Stanley Cup. And he had worn the same Seabrook jersey and hat to every game, and they kept winning. So he couldn't throw his hat on the ice because it, that was his good luck outfit for right. the team. So. Right. But that is an awkward moment. It's like the ball at Wrigley that everybody's screaming, throw back, and you don't want to throw the ball back. You don't want to be the only guy in your section on a hat trick not throwing his hat. These are the things the fans are concerned about, Coach. You understand. Um, Loyola of Chicago, you did a good luck video for these guys. Do you need to do another one, or you like the role? I'll keep going, keep going. Nice start. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, there have been some upsets in the, in the tournament, and, uh, you know, wish them nothing, not, nothing but the best going forward here. So let's keep going, Ramblers. You have a bracket? Yeah. Did you do a bracket? Do I? Did I do a bracket? Yes. I don't even know how I'm doing. I, uh, I had uh, had them winning the first game, and then uh, I don't know if I had them on the second game, but uh, the uh, I, I, I don't even know how I'm doing. But uh, I, I, I know I have no chance when I fill that out. Well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm guessing if you were leading or winning, they would have told you by now. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, speaking, I would hope so. Speaking of tournaments, um, the team you're playing tonight, Colorado, right now holding the first wild card spot in the Western Conference. Uh, a year ago, Colorado had 48 points, fewest in the National Hockey League in uh, I believe seventeen years, and and twenty one points behind the next team in the standings in terms of points. Twenty one points back. Does that does that give you encouragement? When you look at I think there's a half dozen teams that were not in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, and that's including Las Vegas, which didn't exist. Uh, Vegas rather that that are right now in playoff position. Do you think it's? It's a situation now where teams kind of come and go as far as the playoffs, and maybe it's a, a little easier to make that jump back in? Yes, for sure. It's amazing how uh, from one year to the next, teams uh, can transition uh, to all of a sudden uh, being a uh, not just a playoff team, but all of a sudden can be a top team. And uh, not just a Vegas situation, but Colorado's a great example uh, with the point swing that they've uh, shown this year um, the number of teams that were in the playoffs last year or uh, either out of the mix or just trying to stay in the mix but uh, you know it's a, it's it's that close and uh, you know every year is kind of different um, but uh, we've been uh, in a great situation here where every year we're we're pretty well in a mix uh, from early in the year to the end and uh, this is the first year where we, we haven't been in it but but uh, it's 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 it can change so quickly. Um, you got a lot of things going right. Uh, you, you get uh, you're healthy. You get uh, you know everybody's clicking. Uh, you get a lot of your your top guys. Are, everybody's playing well. I look at uh, this year. Um, you know the consistency was a little off this year, um, but I think uh, getting back and having a great start and uh, 
and our division is very competitive. Um, but it's, uh, I think uh, anybody could uh, basically rise to the top uh, when you when you look at, it at the beginning of the season. Everybody believes they're a playoff team, and uh, and and uh, I would expect us to uh, think like that as we uh, we approach next season. You know, everything's a teaching moment, I suppose, and uh, especially for the guys that have been there before, they got to hate this feeling. And I would assume there's some benefit in that. I don't ever want to be in this position again. I want to make the playoffs. Well, that's what it's all about. Uh, you know, it's the uh, and once this year, when you look at it, the teams that are in are going to get in. There, uh, anybody can win this year. It's it's one of those years where uh, you know some teams look like they're a little bit uh, heavily favored than others. But uh, you know, they've had big big seasons in Tampa, and you look at. Uh, you can look at Boston, you can look at Toronto, you can look at uh, teams uh, out in the West and, and say Nashville's. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think this year is one of these years where, you know, there's a lot of contenders, but I think anybody gets in can make it, can uh, get the job done. It's Coach Q. Uh, good luck with Colorado tonight as we continue to try to tick them off here, winding down the clock for this season. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. But uh, have some fun behind the bench. Maybe start some trouble. All right, there you go. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> okay, guys. That's uh, Coach Joel Quinville. Coach Q with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN Radio. Always like hearing from Coach Q. I'm going to the Hawks game tonight because there's only five left at home. I know they're not going to make the playoffs, but I'll be missing hockey eventually down the road. This is sort of my last chance to go. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll go to one more game. Hawks games are always fun. Ben, you go to Blackhawks games? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I went, what, two weeks ago? Uh, and then uh, I'm going again on the 26th to see the uh, Hawks versus San Jose. Now that you're a WGN radio employee, are you trying to hit people up for free tickets? No, no. Why not? That's the beauty of working in radio, well, free stuff, man. Well, it is, but I'd, I'd go anyways. You know, it's the Hawks. That's that's my team. Right, but you could do, you get free tickets now. You don't even have to pay for them. Well, I'm the new guy, so I, I right. don't want to push right, my right, luck. Right, yeah. right, right, right. you got to ease into that a little yeah, bit. Ex- yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a smart move by you, Ben. All right, that's Coach Q with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett talking Blackhawks. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from John Lester, who made his second-to-last spring start. We'll tell you how he did, and he'll give you a little update on how the team's doing this spring as we wind down just nine days away from opening day. We'll hear from John Lester next on Sports Central. What? Um, no! What? Let me think, let me think. Ooh. Yeah! Good talk, Coach. Thanks. Maybe we should stick the radio. He's got a point. <laughs> Chicago Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central, but not with Adam Hogue today. Kevin Powell in for Adam. Appreciate you tuning in. Kyle Hendricks, Cubs starter, scratched from his minor league start today due to strep throat. It's not good news for Kyle Hendricks. He's been dominant, by the way, this spring. I don't think he's issued a single walk in 15 innings or so. 15, 15 Cactus League innings this spring for Kyle Hendricks. 21 strikeouts, zero walks. <laughs> That's insane. Kyle Hendricks, though, dealing with strep throat, so he will miss his. He's going to start in a minor league game today. That's scratch with strep throat, so we'll keep you posted there with Hendricks and the updates. These guys are on a pretty strict um Kind of regular season schedule. Every fifth day they're starting, so we'll see how long this keeps Hendricks out. Probably know more a lot. Uh, know a lot more tomorrow. John Lester did start Monday, his second to last spring start. Pretty solid, six and two thirds, nine hits, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Been a solid spring for Lester so far, and he's kind of like the you know for a while it was Lester, Arietta, and Lackey in that clubhouse. I always sense they kind of had the most pull. 
Like when those guys talked, people listen. You know, three veteran pitchers with some pretty impressive resumes. Now Arietta's gone. Now Lackey's gone. It's kind of on Lester. And Joe Madden talked about that right from the get-go, about sort of a different demeanor from Lester and how he's kind of taken on that role a little bit more. So honestly, I think that's Lester just kind of stepping up with those guys gone. It's not like there's a lack of leadership in the Cubs clubhouse, but he's kind of... You know, he's the veteran, savvy dude who's pretty much seen it all at this point. Anyways, uh, second to last spring start, and uh, it was a pretty good one. Here's what Lester had to say after the outing. Yeah, it's been good. Um, It's just everybody's been, knock on wood, to to this point healthy, so we've been able to take our turns, and nobody's been set back or had to take any extra days or anything like that. So um, that puts us in a good position to to be able to use the schedule. you know, next week I would imagine we're not going to go seven and hundred again. It'll probably be a a pulled back start a little bit. Um, but you know, I I can only really speak for myself. But I mean, I feel good physically, and um, tonight was I felt like a good a good step with just fastball command and um, being able to do some of the things that we had talked about before uh, or after last game and and before this game. You've been really good at um, getting out of jams over the course of really Cubs career. Is it good to have a start with the traffic on the base pass? Get that no, I don't back? think that's ever a good okay. thing. <laughs> spring, spring, of um, I don't know. I mean, it, I think, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, um, you know, to, to be able to work out of some, I think there was a couple there where we didn't give up any, and then the one where we gave up the two, um, but we were able to minimize that to just the two and, and not let it get out of hand. Um, so that's good. Uh, I think really... You know, I, I don't. I don't look at it as, as like working in and out of jams. I think you just kind of pitch a baseball game, and things usually kind of take care of themselves and happen. So, um, you know, like I said, it was good work tonight. Um, there were some long at bats where we had to kind of go from what we were trying to do, and uh, there were some short at bats. So I felt like it was uh, it was pretty good all in all. Joe downplayed you facing a division rival this late spring training. Do you kind of subscribe to that as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we, we face, you know, especially in, in division teams, it seems like there's always that one or two times a year where you face that team and then turn around in five days and face them again. So uh, it's just a matter of executing your pitches. Um, you know, if you're down in the zone and try to limit damage, um, you know, and, and you know, that, that's been kind of the, the spring for me so far is, is the balls that have been hit have, have stayed in the park. Um you know, the, the hard-hit balls, uh, like today, the, the Jeanette one and, and uh, Mezzarocco hit the ball. Um, but, you know, I'll kind of take oppo, oppo power. That means I got to my spot, and they they still just put a good swing on it, and so you have to tip your hat sometimes. Um, you know, Happer ran a couple couple hard-hit balls down tonight, so that's that's always big. But, um, I mean, it just it comes down to execution. Um, if we're able to do that, then I like uh, like our chances. So maybe it helps you too a little bit facing that. Um, I mean, I don't. I think in spring, a lot of time. I mean, you get into a start like this, you start asking for information from Borzy, and I think we're not there yet. You know, um, we're not on the information side of things right now. It's more more or less like let's get the ball down, let's move it in and out, um, strike one. You know, kind of all just the basics of pitching um, right now, and then. You know, when we get into the season and we're able to actually execute uh, and get the ball to the side of the plate you want to, then you can start worrying about, you know, game plans and, and so forth. So, um, 
right now it's just about being healthy and, and getting through it. You know, we've, uh, you mentioned half two pitches. Sitting up there in the press box, I didn't, at to me, <coughs> I need new glasses, but for, for an instance on the first one, it looked like Al Mora almost out there. And knowing he was in right field, I wondered if they switched spots and then had makes another catch out there. What do you think of him in center? He's done a great job. Uh, I don't know his background as a kid if he played outfield, um, but uh, if he if he did, then he's done a great job. If he didn't, uh, it's even more impressive of what he's been able to do. Um, you know, I always thought when I was when you hear about him or heard about him before he got called up, he was an infielder, and then we throw him in center field, and he's kind of made a seamless transition. So uh, that just speaks to his athleticism and, and coachability. Um, you know, and, and having a guy like Al, and, you know, as another center fielder, as another outfielder, um, and then you have Jay Hay in the mix as well. Um, you know, I like our outfield. Uh, you know, as a, as a staff, uh, I like our outfield. I, lo- I love our defense regardless. Um, you know, it's just a, a matter of us not allowing the ball to go over the fence, and I think we have a chance of, of our guys, you know, running it down. It's different than 15, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's an evolution. Um, you know, a lot of these young guys that we had, um, you know, just weren't ready to get there. And then by the end of 15, you see them, they're there. And, um, you know, even at, you know, 34 and a um, good amount of years here, I'm still learning. So, you know, I would hope that they're they're learning and, um, you know, as they go. And, no one cares about how you pitched. He swung the back great. Hey, I'm actually talking about you guys, so you might want to let me finish. He swung the back great today. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but yeah, they, yeah, that guy was throwing too hard for me. I didn't, for the third at bat of spring, I didn't want to mess around with a hundred. So, um, I turned to Mezzarocco after the first one and said probably what I can't say on, on a camera, but, um, he goes, yeah, it's a hundred. I said, okay. And then just took the rest. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm good with all that. So John Lester touching on a variety of topics there, including the outfield rotation, um, Talked about Ian Happ a little bit, who's had a really great spring. He's in the conversation for that leadoff spot. I know that's what everybody wants to know. What are they going to do with the leadoff spot? I'll tell you what they're going to do with the leadoff spot. They're just going to rotate guys throughout the year. There's not a Dexter follower on this roster. It's just going to be Joe Madden playing matchups. So you're going to see Happ. You're going to see El Mori. You'll probably see Zobris. Wouldn't be completely shocked if you see Schwarber again. But I think it's better that way. None of these guys are true leadoff guys. So why even put them? Look what happened to Schwarber last year. Don't even put that pressure on them. So um, I think we're going to see a rotation of, of sorts between Hap and, and, and Zobrist and Elmora and Schwarber. That is just going to play the matchups like he always does. Now, in terms of the outfield, I am kind of interested to see this year how that's going to play out. Is Peter Borges going to make... The outfield, Madden says he loves him. Kind of does fit in as that extra defender. He can sub in for Kyle Schwarber late in games. Can run the bases for you. But, man, this is the third year for Jason Hayward, and I don't know how much longer they can just continue to go out there and put him out there every day. I know how great he is defensively, but, man, if you really love his glove that much, maybe just save him for late in games. Right, Sub, be, Let him be the defensive substitution. I know it's a ton of money you're paying a guy to be a defensive substitution type guy. But man, he really can't hit a baseball. The art of hitting eludes the man. Um, I wouldn't be completely shocked if we see Elmore in right field a little bit this year. Happ in center, Elmore in right, Schorber in left. Maybe Hayward comes in late in the games defensively. 
or as a pinch runner. So uh, those are some of the question marks for the Cubs. Not a whole lot of question marks, by the way. They're pretty much set heading into the year, so just some some tiny details. But uh, that's your Cubs recap. We talked a little Blackhawks, did some Loyola as well. Now it's time for Buried Headlines. But producer Ben Anderson sent me this one, and it's to me it stole the show today. I normally just collect a whole bunch of weird stories and stuff and kind of sort through it and have about... You know, a dozen or so stories to get to in buried headlines, but this one stuck out to me. Martin Perez killed and ate the bull that injured him. Quote, good meat. It's from a deadspin piece. One of the stranger injuries of baseball's offseason was Texas Rangers pitcher Martin Perez's broken elbow, the result of a bull that startled him and caused him to fall on his ranch in Venezuela. Uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, reporter. John Daniels tells us Martin Perez was in a pen or wherever they keep animals. <laughs> and a bull moved towards him and Martin moved to get out of the way and landed on the elbow. Just everyday baseball stuff. Perez, who should begin the season healthy after undergoing surgery to repair the elbow in December, ultimately got his revenge. He had the bull slaughtered and then he ate it. I love the move. Your thoughts, Ben? Uh, it's probably what I would have done. I mean, you're, I mean, it's not like he he was being barbaric and just killed this animal. He ate the animal. Yeah. And at some point, eventually, he was going to slaughter and kill it and eat it. Yeah, I'd, I would think it was inevitable. But Perez yeah. says it was good meat. Quote, no more bull. I just want to know what he did with it. Did he, did he marinate it? Uh, good question. Did, How you know. did he cook it? Uh-huh. Straight grill, maybe open flame. Which country is he from again? Venezuela. Venezuela. We'll so, have to check into there. So maybe a chimichurri uh, right, marinade or something. I'm thinking. Yeah. So good for Martin Perez. He finally got the bull that broke his pitching elbow. That elbow is worth a lot of money. He had a good run, bull. All right, that's going to do it for Sports Central, the Tuesday, March 20th version. Is it today, day one of spring? I do believe it it's is. Cold. And Kathy Ireland's birthday, as it is. It's Thank huge. You. Yeah. Cooler than the hell outside, though. I'm ready for the warmth. Ready for baseball. Uh, that's Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue. Ben Anderson behind the glass. Appreciate his help. Thanks to Maddie Kenny from the Sun-Times. She's been covering Loyola very closely. We'll talk with her again later in the week. She was great. Had some good insight on Sister Jean and kind of the chemistry of the team and some uh, good stuff there. We also played back Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson with John Williams, and we also heard from Coach Joe Quinville, who even touched on Loyola as well. So everybody's getting behind them in the city. Coach Q was on with Steve Cochran and Dave Bennett this morning on WGN. Hawks played Colorado Avalanche tonight at the UC. There's five more home games for the Hawks. You can hear that game on WGN Radio pregame at 7. Chris Bowden, John and Troy at the call at 7.30. Uh, subscribe, unsubscribe, do the subscribe thing on iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff for Sports Central. Really appreciate you listening and for tuning in. Kevin Powell, have a great Tuesday. <laughs>